tuning in to another episode of Newsroom. My name's Katie, and I will be your host as we meander into the lives of inspiring and creative people. This is a hub for makers, thinkers, and anyone else that is doing the work that they truly want to be doing. you've all had a really good week and I hope you've been able to find some inspiration and I hope your creativity is flowing and I'm excited to be back and I'm excited to talk to you again. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for listening and if you aren't, thank you so much for listening again and welcome back. In this week's episode, I'm going to share a conversation that I had on the other podcast that I host. So a couple episodes back, I mentioned that I'm a dancer with Neo Stance Theater. I started creating a podcast for the dance company a few months back to bridge the gap between the audience and the stage. So for that podcast, I had a conversation with our director of education and outreach. His name is Demarcus Akeem Suggs, and he runs the pre-professional school that is attached to the company. So I thought I would share that conversation on this podcast as well because he's really interesting, creative, and has a lot of great insight. We talk about how he found dance, what his professional career is like, and what it took to get a dance school up and running, what it's like to transition from dancer to dance educator, and so much more. I think you guys will enjoy hearing from DeMarcus, so let me know what you think. But before I let you listen to that conversation, I want to tell you a little bit about what I've been up to. So I don't have a website yet, I am in the process of getting that moving, but in the meantime, I created a newsletter with MailChimp. If you want to get more information on the podcast and learn about upcoming events, go ahead and sign up for the mailing list. I put a link to that in my Instagram profile, which you can find at Museroom Podcast, and I'll also post a link in the show notes. So here's another thing that is happening with Museroom that I'm really excited about. So I do want Museroom to be more than just a podcast. I really want to cultivate a community and create a hub filled with inspiration and super cool people that are into all the things that I'm into and are into things that I don't know about yet that maybe I would be into. And I just want to create that community and meet people and learn new things and make connections. So the first thing I'm going to do with that is that I'm starting a book club. So I really love reading books about self-development and spirituality, so I wanted to create a group filled with people that were into that too. So there's a few different ways that you can get involved with the book club, and that means if you're not in Cleveland that you can still participate. So first, go ahead and find the book. This month, For the month of June, we're going to read How to Break Up with Your Phone by Katherine Price. I found my copy at Books A Million, but of course you can find it wherever you get books. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know the drill. So I thought this would be a good book to start off with, and I think most of us can really relate to it. Since I first launched the podcast the past month or so, I've been more glued to my phone than ever before, so I'm really excited to delve into this. So once you get the book, wherever you get your books, go ahead and subscribe to my newsletter. That way you won't miss out on any information pertaining to the book club, and you will also get some fun bonus newsletters. I'm not really sure what that means yet, but I'm excited about it. So after that, you can join me on Goodreads, and you can join me on the secret Facebook group. I will post links to all of these in the show notes, so go ahead and check that if you missed it. And if you're in the Cleveland area, you can join me in person. The first book club meetup will be Monday, June 25th at 6.30 p.m., of course. Not in the morning. I'm not a morning person, so I think p.m. would be better. 
<laughs> and that will be held at Edgewater Beach. The cost is free, of course. I just want to meet you and talk about books. So if you're in Cleveland but can't attend every meeting, don't worry. You can still take part in the discussion. So just go ahead and look into everything else I've said before. The secret Facebook group, Goodreads. It's an app that you can get on your phone. You can sign up. And I created a special group there um, dedicated to the book club. So join that. All right, well, let's get into the episode now. I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Where are you from? Uh, Demarcus Akeem Suggs from Twin Cities, Minnesota, born in, Min- or in St. Paul, raised in Plymouth, which is a little suburb of uh, Minneapolis. So that's important if you're a local. Mm. So you have to distinguish I see. where in town you're from. Mm-hmm. And then, so how did you find dance? Um, my older sister, uh, Kelly, she was like a hip-hop dancer. Oh, really? And so she was always interested in dance, and so I would follow her around, and she had like a little hip-hop team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never took it seriously, of course. It was just like something fun that I really loved. And so I would make up my own dances and stuff. But then I got into musical theater in high school, mm-hmm. and then uh, I was introduced to concert dance in college and fell in love with it. And a mentor of mine encouraged me to take classes or take a ballet class at a uh, local community college. Uh, I had moved to Charlotte, North Carolina at that point. And he was like, yeah, if you wanna be like a good like worship praise dancer, because I was going to a church that had a dance mm-hmm. ministry. And he was like, yeah, this, this class, you know, a ballet class will help. And when I got in that class, I was like, no stopping me. I was like, this is it. I'm gonna dance like oh my this gosh. forever. So- how old were you then? I was 19. 19 yeah, in your so first was, ballet class. Yeah, 2005. Wow. An amazing woman. Her name was Catherine Horn. She lived in, or she was in uh, Central Piedmont Community College. Mm-hmm. And she had danced with ABT and like the Met in New York. And so she was just phenomenal. Wow. Great woman. Mm-hmm. So before that, you said your sister was a hip hop dancer. Did you, did, yeah. you, did that have any influence? In oh, your- man, yeah. I loved it. I love the energy. Um, I love watching them like choreograph their dances. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved how people would just like stop and observe them, and like you know, just felt like they were I don't know, just a representation of the people around us. But they like somehow had this quality of like bringing out the joy and the good in mm-hmm. what you know our everyday experiences were. And mm-hmm. they always knew the newest dances too. So I was like always watching to like figure out how to do you know. The, it was the '90s too, so it was like. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. crisscross and hip hop you know cool so then you took that first ballet class what happened next yeah so I took that first ballet class um, and I stayed I, I enrolled the next semester in a contemporary or a, a modern class it was um, with a lady named Marianne Mee who had danced with Charles Weidman um, and so Charles Weidman technique was from the Humphrey Doris Humphrey who later on um, taught Jose Limon, who really developed his technique around what she had kind of um, practiced. Mm-hmm. And so it, some people say like the Humphrey Weidman Limon technique is kind of all in the same ballpark. Um, studied with her and then I got a scholarship to attend Bellhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi. And so I transferred over there. Um, wasn't really sure if dance was gonna be the thing, but like once I got to Bellhaven, I received a scholarship to attend it. And I was like, all right, this is it. Like all the stars are aligning. It seems like this is the path, so 
So you knew that that's something you wanted to pursue after yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew early on, but I kind of had doubts. I was like, I don't know if I can do this, like, seriously. This, you know, I felt like I was way too late to the party. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, it, I just had really good teachers and they, they really, you know, pushed me and I was hungry for it. And so mm -hmm. it just all kind of worked out. Yeah, it's, um, you're never really too old for anything. Exactly. Yeah. That's so cool. That's true. So then, so you're at Bellhaven, so what was that like? Yeah, Bellhaven was incredible um, because in my head, I'm a city boy. I'm like, oh, I just need the city. I need skylines and whatnot. And it made me focus only on dance and mm -hmm. just really focus on my studies and, and dance. And so, I mean, I don't know if I could have been successful anywhere else because um, you know, my dance schedule, it was a seriously like 8 a.m. to like 11 p.m. I was in the studio or in class, you know, and so maybe an hour for lunch throughout the day. So it was just, wow. like, it was crazy, you know, an intense schedule. Um, but it's what I needed. I needed that, that refinement. I needed the technique. Mm -hmm. I needed the, um, the, the community of people who were just like me, trying mm -hmm. to really like push and strive and hopefully, you know, make a career out of what we were what we love to do. Yeah. Did you have ballet every day? Like, what yeah. kind of classes did you have? I had ballet and contemporary uh, or modern every day. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we would have, uh, like, a jazz class or, or elective like that. I decided not to take tap, which I kind of regret now because I wish I could really tap. Um, we had, you know, of course, the history classes and things like that. But uh, in rehearsals, um, I would have to take men's technique and partnering classes as well. So mm -hmm. it was a full load. Yeah. So what performance opportunities did you get while you were there? So I actually got to perform with a, a small company uh, called Talk Dance Company um, that was spearheaded by one of the professors, dance professors that was there at the time. And so I got to go to uh, Russia and tour to do uh, Handel's Messiah. And uh, yeah, that's, that was really cool. And I mean, besides that, we would do some local, like, you know, pickup work around the community because uh, Jackson was starting to be kind of a, um, a vibrant art scene. They were starting to pick up some things around. And so, I mean, I performed in a bar in like the weirdest, like, steampunk costumes or whatnot. But it just, it, you know, it was an opportunity to, yeah. to do what I loved and share it with people mm -hmm. who would normally have seen dance in that context. So yeah. that was cool. Cool. And then did you like go to any summer intensives? Was that pretty much Bellhaven was yeah. the extent or you? Yeah, did I definitely did summer intensives. And so I did master work summer intensive. Um, I would also, I also attended the International Ballet Competitions Intensive and they have mm -hmm. every four years here in Jackson. And so I got the chance to work as a counselor there as well as take wow. classes with some phenomenal, phenomenal dancers. Um, some of those dancers who were competing in 2010 uh, are in you know these very prestigious companies now. So like Michaela De Prince, who's you know just a poster child of overcoming adversity, yeah. adversity and dancing. Like she was there, and just like to see them in you know as they were blossoming and becoming the refined dancers that they are. It was just really cool to see that now. Yeah, definitely. So since you started late, did you ever like have to overcome any? mental blocks any challenges like yeah that? yeah definitely i mean at the same time i felt like on one hand there was no stopping me dance like people often say i often hear i should say um that you know dancers are like i chose to dance but then all of a sudden dance chose me um i think that was just so real i, I didn't feel like 
I had a choice anymore. Yeah. Like I, I loved it and I wanted to pursue it and then all of a sudden it just took over my life and it was like, I, so the mental challenge was like, oh crap, like so-and-so has like 12, at least 12 years on me in this technique. But I mean, I just worked, I did my homework, I looked at videos all mm -hmm. the time. I read books, I, I mean, I was just doing everything, anything that I could to absorb what dance was so that, you know, if I was in conversation, I could talk about it and, and actually have something to say about it. Um, and then when it came to technique, I was just always stretching yeah. and like trying to turn out because I had no turnout. Oh my gosh, no feet either. So, you know, just working on all of the things that like I saw as the aesthetic and the ideal. Right. Um, every morning before ballet class, I would watch Carlos Acosta. Oh my gosh. Video of him, mm -hmm. And I would listen to Kanye. But, you know, like, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> it just, it was my, it was my jump start. Yeah. So, you know, like, just, I always tried to give myself, um, you know, just, just access to those things mm -hmm. that I didn't have, you know, because it wasn't a, a mainstay in my, you know, high school education right. or whatever. And so it was important to me that if I was going to do this, I was going to have to do it really well. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, the challenge was like, yeah, I don't have that, I don't have that, I don't have that. But I realized I was still getting casted, and it was because I had the heart to tell a story. Yeah. And so I, I kind of started to focus on like, okay, what do I have? Like, I have this, I'm like this huge man. Like, you can't miss me. So I mm -hmm. have to at least project and be confident and have presence, you mm -hmm. know. And so after you know kind of building on that foundation the technique started to come with you know constantly having classes you know all day um and then performance opportunities whether it was like student-led pro projects or you know guest choreographers or whatnot um so yeah i was just hungry about it i could yeah. talk about this all day because i just Great. love this dance stuff that's good so yeah. you knew you had something to bring to the table and that yeah kind of just kept you going a little yeah bit. for mm -hmm. sure for cool. sure so when did you graduate from Bellhaven? I graduated 2011. Cool. Um, and yeah, immediately I went to join the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company, um, which was awesome. They had been touring the year before in Mississippi. And so I got a chance to see their company. And then um, they sent two of their dancers to Bellhaven to teach a master class. And I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to be doing. Like, you know, I just knew. Um, and so, yeah, DCDC gave me a contract, and um, it was an incredible opportunity. I had a choice between going to Dayton Contemporary Dance Company or another smaller company uh, in Houston, and I just felt like I wanted to be, by the time that I graduated from Bellhaven, I felt like I had maximized all the opportunities that I could at Bellhaven, so I felt like a, you know, in a sense, like a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. I don't know, like in most college programs, when you become the senior, you're like, yeah. I've done this, you know, I've been mm -hmm. in the pieces and I've worked hard, you know, and you just feel this sense of like accomplishment. And I didn't want to go to a place where I wouldn't fight for that again. I needed that push because it made yeah. me become a better dancer. Mm -hmm. And so DCDC was that. I was one of eight men. I was um, hired with one other guy the year that I came into the company. And so nothing was promised to me. Um, everything that I, you know, got like parts or opportunities just it came because of working mm -hmm. and just being mentored and just yeah. So it was a great, great first company for me to join. Cool. What were some of the favorite choreographers that you worked with while you were there? Favorite? Um, I really liked. Favorite is a relative okay. statement because they were hard. Everyone was so hard. Everyone has like. What such had a, like the biggest impact on you or yeah. something that you just really? 
yeah. remember. Um, I would say Roni Koresh was definitely had the biggest impact on me because um, I was just even though I was I was doing pretty well in my progression as a dancer, I uh, I still approached a lot of my dancing with fear. Like I was just like I didn't want to be wrong, and so like even though I had like worked so hard to like become a dancer, I was like I can't mess up. I can't mess yeah. up. It's my you know. So much is riding on me doing this well, you know, and so mm -hmm. he just drilled me and drilled me in, in this. He had a week to restage your work, and he was like, "What is that? You know, what, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? Why would you make that choice?" And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> and so, but I realized that working with someone who really cared about the art, who didn't, who wouldn't take my fifty percent. You know, that that mattered, you know, so I could take the the, the constant pushing um, because at the end of the day, his 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 objective was to get me to do my best work. Mm -hmm. And that really changed my whole like outlook on like what I could do as a dancer in that company, as well as just like who I was. It made yeah. me kind of tap into something deeper for myself. Mm -hmm. And that was really actually pretty life changing for me. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have a lot of fear in dance. And yeah. Just, it can prevent you from getting to where you can get. Yeah, yeah. And that's crazy because you're a beautiful dancer. Oh. So I was like, what? Thanks. <laughs> oh, but no, it's real though. Like we can be in, so in our heads about mm -hmm. things and just like, you know, we see our limitations before we see our possibilities. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. it can be so so limited. That's so true. And it's like that in life too, not just dance. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Dance is life. Oh, of course. <laughs> Um, so what were some of the biggest challenges that you um, encountered in your professional career? I think uh, knowing how to take care of my body was mm -hmm. a big thing. Um, just, I mean, when you're in college and you're on campus, like you're just, you know, whatever is out on the, the menu for the yeah. lunchroom or the cafeteria, like you're just like, all right, I guess I'm eating salad, you know, today. So mm -hmm. um, I had to find what worked for me going from dancing, yeah, I was dancing all day, but it was a different kind of dancing. Whereas at DCDC, my, it was hard dancing for eight hours a day um, and a 30 minute break or a 30 minute lunch, or maybe even an hour, I don't know, stuff changed. And so I had to start my day earlier. Um, I had to be like up, I, I would have to take showers at the studio because my body was so jacked up, like from the day before mm -hmm. that I was like, there's no way I can dance and make it all day unless I take a hot shower right now before I take this conditioning class, Dang. which would lead into, it was an hour long conditioning class that would lead into a technique class, usually ballet or modern, and then a full day of rehearsing. And so I needed to know what to eat, that would fuel me. I needed to know like, okay, when to get a massage that would like break my body down the next day and when to like, you know, ice, take an ice bath, at, you know, so like all of these things that, um, you know, I think dancers innately have to figure out for themselves. I didn't know that coming into dancing. So that was mm -hmm. the biggest lesson I had to learn. Yeah, I'm kind of going through that too because I just, I mean, I graduated two years ago, but I'm mm -hmm. still in that, you know, stay, I like to stay up really late and yeah. have to wake up early now and you know what right. I mean? Right. Um, you guys had conditioning classes yeah. every day? Yeah, Whoa. we had a body conditioning class every day that was led by the phenomenal lady named Sherry Sparkle Williams. Mm -hmm. And she is like... She, at that time, she had been dancing with the company about 40 years. So she started when she was 11. 
and the company was a pre-professional company, of course, when she started in 1967 or 68. Um, no, 68 or 69 is when she started. And, um, but she had the best physique in the company, you know, because she worked out daily for hours, you know? And so, yeah, she, of course, this drill sergeant led our body conditioning classes, so there was no, no giving up. And she's like 50-something years old, and you're like, I can't quit. Like, she's gonna, like, yeah. she's a legend, and she's killing it out here, you know? Yeah. Dang. So, yeah, it just, it just, but anyway, it was hard, and yeah, we did that class every day. Wow, I can't imagine. I kind of wish we had that here at Neos. Yeah, it's fun. Actually, the funny thing is, I... From what she taught me, I teach that now. Oh, I teach cool. a body conditioning class on Tuesdays here at the school. And so, it's if you want to ever come Maybe back I'll in. come to the class, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, what were some of your highlights of your career? Um, highlights, I would say our tour to uh, China was a, a really cool opportunity. Um, I didn't necessarily love China itself, but it was just cool to see, you know, a different perspective, a different audience that didn't know us, um, and to introduce what we did or what, I, I, I don't know, I just felt like I got to connect with another audience in a different way. Um, another highlight, I guess, would be when I, uh, whenever like you get a solo, you're like, oh, this is, this is nice. I didn't expect, you know, like I'm, I'm working hard, but to have someone recognize, you know, that you have uh, something to offer in a singular form that they want to highlight your your dancing is really always really nice. Um, I was I remember one opportunity that we were touring in Iowa of all places. It was just such a wonderful experience. Our bus broke down and everything was is really rough. But um, I was dancing like I had a little solo part and I just remember this theater was like so black and I looked up. I couldn't see anything. I had this one movement where I was just like. I just felt like I was limitless, you know, on wow. this stage, in this black stage. I couldn't see the audience. I couldn't see my hand. I couldn't see people, but I, I knew that the light was on me. And so, I don't know, that moment will always stand out for me, mm -hmm. too. And I'm thinking, like, it's just in Iowa, you know? Yeah. Little old stage in Iowa. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was a great moment. I love that. Cool. So, now you're at Neos. So, before you got here, you knew Bobby before, right? Yeah. How did you meet him? So I met Bobby at uh, a Masterworks um, festival, um, I believe it's 2009. Uh, it was a summer intensive. And so Bobby was one of the choreographers. There was three um, at the time. It was Caleb Mitchell, who was later my um, professor at Bellhaven. It was Bobby and there was a gentleman named Steve Rooks. Um, and they taught as well as choreographed. And so, I was cast in Steve Rooks and Bobby's pieces. And um, I just remember him being like, just a really nice mm -hmm. direct or, you know, choreographer, director. He just seemed to um, really care about the dancers as well as the product mm -hmm. that he was putting out there. And um, he, and at the time, like I told you, I started dancing in 2005. So I was like, I suck, I suck, I, I, I gotta really step it up. Like these people are really dancing and I'm trying to show that I can be in this piece. Mm -hmm. And you know, he was just very generous. He gave me a, a, a principal part in, cool. the, in the piece. Um, and he made me work for it, but it was just like how he treated and respected the dancers and how calm and patient he was with me. Mm -hmm. I just, I, you know, I, I was like, this is, this is it. Like, and you know, as a dancer, you're learning, or when you're in your school, 
training, you know, they're always, teachers are always trying to prepare you for what is the quote unquote real world. Mm -hmm. And so to meet someone that was actually nice, because the real world sounded like a terrible thing, like directors aren't going to give you everything you want. They're going to be mean and they're not going to, you know, coddle your feelings. Mm -hmm. And so for him to just be a nice person, it was like, whoa. There are nice people out there, so it kind of changed my mindset on that as well. Cool. But yeah, um, but when I moved to Dayton, you know, Bobby and I were in touch, and I kept trying to make things work where I could come up and visit the company mm-hmm. and uh, potentially guest with the company. It just never worked out. And so um, I ended up transitioning from Dayton Contemporary to leading a, an after-school program for young men, like a mentorship program. And then even then, I was like, all right, you know, I'm talking to Bobby, and we would keep tabs on each other. Like, I always saw what Niels was doing, and I was a friend of Niels on Facebook, so I, I saw the events and the things that were happening, the fundraising. And so I just, like, you know, really had an appreciation for what Niels was doing. And so Bobby was kind of checking on me, like, hey, how's things out there? You want to dance? You know, and so um, it just never worked out yeah. until this last year. Yeah. Wait, what was the um, after-school men's program? Yeah, it was called Victory that? Project mm-hmm. in Dayton. Yeah, so I was there for about two years, um, and I mean, it was it was a great opportunity. It wasn't arts-based, but of course I'm a creative, so I had to like mm-hmm. bring in the arts somehow. Yeah. So I brought in like ballroom dancers. Cool. Actually, I got to bring in some friends from Dayton Ballet and Dayton Contemporary Dance Company to do to partner with the guys. It was it was incredible, um, but it had taken over my life. It you know I just. I didn't see people, I didn't have a social life, and I really missed dance. Like mm-hmm. I, I missed the feeling and the energy of being in the studio, and my body was like starting to you know, get rigor mortis, it felt like, just like... <laughs> atrophy. Like, yeah, atrophy, thank <laughs> you. Rigor mortis, I'm not dead. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> I just felt like I was losing, you know, I was losing my prime years, and yeah. you know, it was kind of affecting me, and so um, I transitioned back into the stage, and so I started working and doing projects with Dayton Ballet. Oh, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, then, yeah. So how did you acquire this position? So, yeah, after working with Dayton Ballet, my contract ended, mm-hmm. and um, a great opportunity came up in Dayton with Victoria Theater Association, which is kind of like the Playhouse Theater of Dayton, mm-hmm. and uh, they needed an education coordinator, and so um, I applied for the position, ended up getting it, so I was working in administration, you know, full-time, and uh, then Bobby reached out and said that, you know, Niels was starting a school here in Overland and, uh, you know, they needed someone to help, you know, facilitate that transition. And I was like, I don't know, you know, I just started this great job and, you know, I'm kind of settled in Dayton and I felt like that's kind of where my mind was at the time. But um, I realized that the opportunity to, to kind of spearhead something like this um, doesn't come often, right. you know, and for someone to reach out and say, hey, I think you should interview and apply for this position, um, you know, that that was kind of like a nudge to me, too. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, that's a, a great opportunity and just the blessing that someone was thinking of you in that way exactly. and respects your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that just led me to, to apply and, and, and I got the job. So. And then what happened next? got the job and I made a decision in like two weeks so I got I, just, I said yes and in two weeks I was moving mm-hmm. so it was crazy it was really crazy um, and yeah so transitioned uh, we got here had an open uh, open house like 
I, I think I moved them like a Saturday. Open house was on a Tuesday. And then we were supposed to launch the school like the following week. We had no idea. Jeez. No idea. I mean, and we were just, you know, Bobby was trying to be patient with me and my schedule and like trying to, you know, I had to put in my two weeks notice and things like that. And um, So yeah, and we had no idea like what we would have here. You know, we had space. We had teachers that, you know, were in the company and like outside the company, mm -hmm. like people that like we had known that, you know, we were like, okay, these would be some good teachers that we want to bring into the school. Um, but we had no idea what the folks wanted. And so it kind of started this dialogue. So the first thing we put out was like, here are some classes we're thinking about offering. Which classes are you interested in? And the people were like, these are the classes we're interested in. We are like, okay, great. Here is the schedule. Can you make it? You know? And the people were like, here's what I want to take. And so we're like, here's the final schedule. Like, here are the things we have to cut because no one signed up for them. Yeah. You know? So it was this, this very organic conversation, I think, that we had um, with you know, families and, and initially there was like only 15 or so families that were kind of on the mailing list to stay updated on, you know, the, what was going to possibly happen. And then um, after our open house, you know, folks came from the community and saw what was going on. I think we started with about 35 students and by the end of our first semester, I would say like a 12 week session, we had about 50 students. So we're like, all right, we got 50 kids, let's keep them, let's, mm -hmm. let's do what we have to do, you know? And I mean, now we've been up to 67 students, and so I think we, we've kind of found our footing, uh, but I'm excited to really like dig in and figure out like how, how best we can serve the community yeah. and do our mm -hmm. work here. Yeah, and so you really had to start from scratch. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, so what were some of those challenges that you weren't expecting to encounter? Yeah, so we inherited this space from a, a school that was previously here. And some of the challenges were that, um, you know, folks just didn't know who we were yeah. and what we were about. And so they didn't want to necessarily put their eggs in this basket, you know. And mm -hmm. So that was a challenge to just gain the trust um, of our, our families. Um, excuse me. Another challenge was for me, I felt like I wanted to be like, if, uh, you know, the whole, uh, field of dreams, uh, saying like, if you build it, they will come like, all right, we have a program, we have a dance studio, come on in. Mm -hmm. And it, it was not that, you know, we had to hit the pavement. We had to put up flyers locally, you know, a lot of our marketing strategy was just like, be visible, be visible, mm -hmm. be visible. And so we kept putting out information. We, um, and so that was a challenge too, you know, just making sure that people kind of could get a feel of who we were quickly, you know, and, mm -hmm. and know that they, when they came to NEOS that they were getting good education, they were getting affordable dance education, um, and that they would just be in a safe, great environment, you know, mm -hmm. so. I think it's worked out. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's heading somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so we also have an outreach program. So mm -hmm. um, educating children in dance is a lot different from normal academics. Yeah. So what is it like to talk to talk about dance to people who aren't really familiar with it? And did it take like a lot of convincing to get yeah. them to see why dance is important? Yeah, I I don't I don't think people. I don't think people need a lot of convincing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the conversations that I have, folks 
can remember, you know, if, if you if you give people the opportunity to just quiet their minds for a moment and just remember the feeling of movement, you know, mm -hmm. or or what they see when they see dance or how they have connected, maybe the first time they saw the Nutcracker or something like that, they typically will, sh you know, have a fond memory. Um, the only problem that in common is when people feel like they're not a good dancer, so they have like this embarrassment, right. you know, but uh, I think that my job is to disarm what dance is. It's like, mm -hmm. dance is movement. And so generally, um, I think that, you know, if I say like, hey, you know, do a gesture, mm -hmm. you know, scratch your head, I can make that into a whole dance yeah. and it will be something that's meaningful or whatnot. But when I'm talking to, you know, decision makers, they want what's best for whoever their constituents are. And be that students, you know, in a school setting, be that adults, you know, in a uh, nursing home. Um, dance has the, the power, the ability to, to unlock the imagination, to give folks a voice, and to give us the opportunity to hone that voice mm -hmm. as well. Um, and so I'm interested in what does that do for people at every, you know, facet or every stage or every place that they may be in their lives. Mm -hmm. And once I can have that conversation, I think it becomes very apparent that we all want the same thing and that's for everyone to succeed and to mm -hmm. flourish. And so dance can be part of that. Like a stepping stone, stone to get there. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Mm -hmm. A tool. Yeah. So why, I mean, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but why is dance important to you and why do you think it's important to pass on? Yeah. Dance for me, dance, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Like, there were so many options, you know. I thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher, elementary school teacher. I thought I wanted to be in business. Um, and so I was just, like, scattered. But dance gave me this, like, sense of, like, big picture, the world is beautiful. And trying to, like, see the world through this lens of beautiful. But then also just narrowing that vision to, like, myself. Like, okay, I can work on things in, within myself that will build my confidence. You know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was building my confidence. I was building my self-awareness. Um, I was, you know, finding qualities in myself that I didn't recognize, you know, on the superficial level or whatever. And so dance gave me purpose. Um, I think it's important because wherever you go, there you are, you know, as a person in your day-to-day -day life. And dance helps us to tap into um, movement qualities. It helps us to understand uh, nonverbal communication. Um, it also just helps us keep, it keeps us alive, you know, mm -hmm. it keeps us moving, keeps our heart rate, you know, flowing and whatnot. And so, um, you know, I, I just find that dance can help you as a person. It's the only instrument that you always have. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it may be sore, whatever, it, whatever status it's at you always are in your body and you're always present right. in your body. And so it doesn't matter what your, your physical ability is uh, or abilities are, you dance can be used to convey meaning and message and communicate something. Mm -hmm. That's good, yes. Um, so as you've transitioned from dancer to dance educator, mm -hmm. what have been some things that you've noticed that have changed you as a person? And does this role spark the same passion in you that dance dancing did? Mm -hmm. hmm. uh, that's a good question. Gosh. <laughs> uh, I, I realize that my responsibility 
is to pass on all of that information that I felt dance gave me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I spent a lot of time trying to um, distill that, like, you know, find ways to teach that, teach those intangible things. And so um, I, I, initially I thought that, you know, dance was about steps, you know, and like, but that wasn't what, that wasn't the magic that I tapped into within myself. It wasn't just about steps. I mean, anyone can do steps or figure out steps or the mechanics of them at least. But in order to really tap into your best self and your your best um, method of communicating meaning through these steps, I think it's really important just to understand who you are and how you exist in the world. Um, and so, I don't know, like as a dance educator, it's really cool for me to, to be able to teach little people, you know, you know, little four-year-olds and then transition into a classroom where there's adults. So I teach the company class sometimes mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm not teaching you guys steps, you know, or teaching the dancers steps or whatever. I'm, my hope is that by teaching a class with professional dancers that I'm just giving you an, an opportunity to tap into something deeper and to, right. to dig a little bit more into what you already have, you mm-hmm. know? And so that was a lesson for me in that it's not about the steps. It's about qualitative um, energy and, and, and helping people to navigate and find their sense of self within movement. Yeah. So as a new uh, dance teacher myself, sometimes I find it difficult to switch that perspective Mm -hmm. from dancer to dance teacher. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're not always taught how to break stuff down. You know, we we go through our training and then we go into our professional career and then we and then we take teaching jobs to make extra money. And we're not really given those um, instructions on how to we just kind of have to figure it out on your own. So Mm -hmm. is that something that you've struggled with have you had to kind of make that switch in your brain yeah yeah for sure um and i mean i still wrestle with you know the best teaching approaches Mm -hmm. you know um because like for instance last night i was teaching like uh these particular terms in my jazz class and i think it's okay to fail but i think it's important that once you recognize that you know you're it's not working that you you adjust and you quickly adapt mm-hmm. and so i'm teaching these terms and my students aren't getting it you know and on a different night i'm like you guys would have easily gotten it in my head you know i'm like they would have gotten this but tonight for whatever reason the progression class they just don't get this step and so i had to break it down i had mm-hmm. to go back so i felt good about the fact that hey i showed you what it is but now we're going to go back and you know, do the building blocks to make this step happen. And so as, I mean, I've learned that over time, but I've also learned that I just have to be myself mm-hmm. in a class. And so um, I don't, I think every teacher has something unique and different. And I think dancers, while not every dancer makes a good teacher, I think that every dancer has something that they can instill in someone else. Okay. And mm-hmm. how you find that and how you connect with people is an important process. Um, and I wish that, you know, we as dance teachers and dance um, educators had more time to refine that before we were thrown into a studio mm-hmm. and like, all right, here's your kids, go have fun, you know? So uh, 
it, it is definitely a learning process, but I think it's it's very much doable for everyone that I've encountered as a mm-hmm. as a dancer. Yeah, kind of have to use our creativity to find different ways to communicate. Yeah, most definitely, mm-hmm. most definitely, and figure out uh, two basic questions like, what do I want? You know, from this class, what's my objective? Mm-hmm. Um, and what do they need? Like, what do they need to get to the place of giving me what I want? You know, and so. Once you start to connect those two questions, I think you start to, you know, you can map out a, a, a course of action for how students are going to progress. Yeah. Ideally. Mm-hmm. So what when you're creating curriculum, what are you thinking about? Um, like how a certain child develops? Mm-hmm. Like, do you take that into account or you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I, when I'm creating curriculum, I'm looking at like what are the state standards first and foremost. Like mm-hmm. what what if I was to have to hold this up to a you know a, a core subject like a math class or a science class, am I on par with the dance standards of Ohio right now um, for the age group specifically? And you know some of the stuff is like so boring. It's like oh yawn like. research and that kind of Mm. stuff but I really I'm thinking about that I'm also thinking about the the standard of dance is not there is no from my understanding there is no um, set progression that you know that's a national progression right no federal department of yeah dance studies you know that are like this is what it takes to become a professional dancer you know and so we have this uh, this heritage, if you will, in dance that like we know what a professional dancer who's killing it looks like. You know, we we have the posters, we have the pictures, we have the videos. We know, and so how do we? I'm thinking like, how can I, as a as a dancer who has had a professional career, build someone if they so choose to to chase after the dream like I did. What do I give them so that they are well prepared to go somewhere else and study with other people so that they can chase that dream as well? So on twofold, I want them to be educated and, and have the foundations that our state would require. Um, and at the same time, I want them to be able to launch into a, a professional career as an artist and as a technician and um, as someone who can tell a story, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. Seriously, everything prepared me for this role. Because, I mean, I, I tap into so much, um, whether it's, you know, the business aspect of running the school and just trying to, you know, do well administratively and be a great communicator with our, you know, our, our customers, our families, mm-hmm. um, you know, and make sure our numbers are always accurate to, so like, you know, all of the jobs I've had in, like, administrative work. Um, and you know customer service like those have lended themselves towards that aspect Um, as a dancer uh, working with different choreographers I'm always thinking like or I'm always trying to bring in different perspectives so that the dancers don't just necessarily hear my perspective but like you know share like you know when I work with this choreographer this is what they said or when I work with this teacher this is what they said so I think we are the sum total of all of our teachers you know as dancers and so I try to bring that and the and be present of mind 
to that. You know, like you know, I'm bringing in all of the classes I've ever taken, mm -hmm. and I can tap into those. I can use those, and you know, I won't plagiarize and say that they're my original right. works, but like I'll say, like, hey, I learned this from this teacher, mm -hmm. and this is why this is important to your development. Um, so. Yeah, I'm just rambling now. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> I think you answered it. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, so, when you think about your impact on the dance community, what is something that you really hope comes across? Like, so I also want to kind of go back to something yeah. from earlier. Yeah. So you were, you didn't really have, um, when you were growing up, yeah. you didn't really have ballet in your life yet. And it was, was it not part of the community at all? Not at all. Not to my knowledge. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any ballet. Yeah. Yeah. And also I was when I was talking to Bobby, like when where he's from, it's not something um, that's really always prevalent in yeah. those smaller towns, you know. So when you think back to that and then think about what impact you want to make on mm -hmm. kids like that who yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, most definitely like how do I'm just gonna try to answer it without asking the question because I feel like it's a hard question to ask. Uh -huh. I, I feel like I do have a responsibility yeah. like with the information that I have. Um, dance, I've, I've given myself like an acronym, voice. Mm -hmm. I feel like dance gave me my voice. It gave me V, it gave me my vision, it gave me order, like a, a sense of discipline and a, a direction. It gave me an imagination and broadened it like on how I can utilize it and tap into it. It gave me a character, like helped me refine my character, who I want to show up in the world as and on stage as, and it gave me a sense of excellence. How do I show that I'm doing this thing well and how do I do it well so that I can be consistent with it? Um, I want to give that to anybody, everybody that I work with. And so in the back of my mind, I'm literally like, okay, what's her voice? What's his voice? Mm -hmm. um, and so, because I think that everybody needs to have a, a, the opportunity to recognize, um, to, to cultivate, to develop their voice, to, and to express that thing, mm -hmm. and to, to be strong in it, and be flat-footed, and say, this is who I am, this is what I bring to the table. Um, I wanna make sure that happens for everybody, mm -hmm. you know? And so, our outreach initiative, um, particularly right now, we're working with Lorraine City Schools through a relationship with the five other organizations in our building here through Oberlin. Um, but so that it's it's you know it's prevalent there. I'm trying to like cultivate voice, and even though these students may not pursue dance after yeah. this, it's like no, 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 you're gonna get the essentials of what dance does. It helps you to you know use your body to to really tap into something bigger. Mm -hmm and larger than just your finger, you know, and, and larger than yourself and beyond your fingertips and toes. Um, and so, yeah, that, I mean, that's just really my, my, my MO. And so whether it's in our school, whether it's in the outreach opportunities, I want people to have a sense of like, you know, this thing, this is mine, it's my body, and I can use it to, to say what I want. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, when I was growing up, I was lucky. My sister was a ballet dancer, and yeah. it was—I was just put right into it. But not everyone's that lucky. They—they they right. might not have, they might might not even know what dance is. They might not know that it's a career option. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, even if you don't want to be a dancer, it might catapult you into yeah. something else, into it, and then just give you a new perspective. So. Seriously, I feel like dance. Like when I started, like in college, and I would have to give a speech. Um, 
after having a ballet class, knowing how like to just stand and be present and lift my chest, even if I don't know the combination that I'm about to do, but like it helped me to project confidence, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it does that, or not even just like projecting confidence, but I think it just gives you tools to exist in the day-to-day -day world that you may not recognize. And they're, yeah. they're, they're just so, they're intangible, but they, they're present, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so where do you see the future of uh, Neo's Center for Dance heading? And do you have any specific goals that you're working towards for it? Yeah, so I really, um, I mean, our, our goal from day one is that um, Neo Center for Dance would be seen as like the go-to place for after school, particularly, um, like uh, extra learning, extracurricular activity um, for our young people and that on the weekends and maybe after school as well or after work that our, our adults would start to see dance as a vital part of their day-to-day -day life of mm -hmm. you know interacting with other people moving together and just having this experience and so I really want to see the school thrive I want to see it grow um, we have about like I said about 67 students right now um, in the future, I would love to see at least like 200 students, you know, in and out of our, our spaces throughout the week. Um, I would love to see us thriving in the, in the school district, particularly in Lorain County. Um, and, you know, Cuyahoga County is not so far away. Um, but I, I think that this will serve the fact that we have a dance company that's unique yeah. to a school. And, you know, I, I might cry tears of joy because I'm a little crier. <laughs> but tears of joy to see a dancer come from our school and to join Neo's Dance Theater mm -hmm. and to be well prepared, you know, to make that transition. Um, so those are some things that are important to me. Also seeing our boys, um, you know, when I was working for that mentorship program, something that stood out to me is that the state of Ohio, this is my like soapbox, state of Ohio spends about $200,000 $200, a year to incarcerate one young man. Mm -hmm. And so, like, first of all, I could do so much money, so yeah. much with that money, you know? And I just feel like, why put our resources in those places? Like, young men need opportunities to grow. They need opportunities to be challenged. They need opportunities to be around young women in healthy environments where they learn how to treat ladies and how, you know, especially right now with yes. the, the Me Too movement. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm like... Let, come in this studio. Mm -hmm. Let me show you that that won't happen under my watch. You know, so um, I think ballet, particularly, and partnering, but just dance in general, can give young men the opportunity to just have a sense of self and be tap into something more creative and constructive. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to see our our young men take flight initiative um, that we started with our scholarship program to to just flourish and to have at least. 50 or so young men as we get to like 200 students, you know, in, in our building, you know, on a daily basis who are committed to dancing um, and committed to, you know, be, being part of this art form that I love so much. Yes, cool. Um, so is there anyone in the dance community that you see really making strides with that kind of thing that inspires you? Yeah, I think a lot of companies are doing it. Um, I think, uh, I mean, a lot, especially a lot of ballet companies, Nashville Ballet um, is doing really great work in the community, Charlotte Ballet, um, you know, their schools, and, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, they have some similar initiatives mm -hmm. of trying to retain boys in their programming. 
Um, and so, and P and B, you know, so there's a lot of examples that are unique to their environments. I think that Oberlin is a different animal. It's a different, it's a small town. Um, we're outside of a big city, a big metropolitan area. And uh, so, I mean, we have our own challenges in that. We, and it's just a, a unique space for us to be in with the college and with the town's people here and, and just what it is. Um, so I don't think that we can model anything necessarily after another yeah. company, but I think that the same, um, the same uh, intention is there for us to, to support young men and you know to overcome the stigma or whatever that may be of them joining and being or being part of a, a dance school, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I kind of want to go back to what you were talking about with um, how much money it costs to incarcerate yeah. someone. And I think about that a lot and mm -hmm. how it's kind of an endless cycle of um, kids in these inner cities who, you know, they didn't have the same opportunities as other people and mm -hmm. they didn't mm -hmm. have the opportunity to see dance. And then so it just keeps rolling and then they yeah. end up in prison and then... Um, so maybe let's just talk about how dance can play a role on that um, cultural yeah. level and maybe mm -hmm. also on a societal level, how um, maybe how race plays a role in dance and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh man, that, I mean, that's loaded because I think, okay, historically, let's look at ballet, for instance. Ballet has been treated and seen and... Um, intentionally utilized as a means of elitism mm -hmm. and I mean that's that's the tragic history of ballet and colonialism and, and that European Eurocentric history that ballet has um, at the same time it is quite a phenomenal technique for refinement of the body um, hip-hop is as well you know and I think where we as a dance community have you know, drop the ball over historically is not validating the different dance forms. And so that's something that we also want to do here at Neos. And that was Bobby's, you know, big push, you know, when he and I were chatting initially when I first took the job is that he doesn't just want to see a ballet program. He wants it to be an inclusive program so that hip hop is just as important. Um, world dances, you know, we consider them world dances because we don't see them every day, but yeah. like, you know, salsa, Capoeira, um, you know, like uh, West African dance, you know, like all of these other dance forms, it would be amazing to have that here. And to utilize that as a means of cultural connection as opposed to come dance at this ballet school yeah. because we are, you know, the best, you know. So, and I mean, no doubt, we have some of the best dancers in this region dancing in our professional company. And it's, so that view, you know, or the students being in such close proximity to, to professional dancers is a beautiful thing, but inclusion is just as important mm -hmm. as, you know, proximity. So, and, and representation is important. And so seeing, you know, uh, if I'm a young Caucasian girl with, you know, brown hair and, you know, brown eyes, I can come and be like, oh my gosh, there's a girl named Katie Taggett in the company that I can be like, you know, I see yeah. myself mm -hmm. in her. But as a black, you know, young woman, I, I don't have that, you know. And so you start to 
think, you know, even if it's not told to you, you start to embody like, okay, well, I don't see myself, so it must not be for me. And we want to demystify that. We want to take this elitism or this idea that ballet is this rigid elite art form. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, we're trying to provide access points for people of all ages, all demographics, um, to be part of the Neos fabric here. Um, but I, going back to like the, the just the, the plight of inner cities and, and the problems there, I think that creative expression gives us an opportunity to voice what's happening in us mm-hmm. so that it doesn't have to be um, an explosion. Ballet and contemporary dance and you know, all of these dance forms can give us a chance to be responsive people and, and responsive citizens so that, you know, we take information and we respond and we process that and we go through the creative process. And, and on the other side, we say, this is my voice. This is what I'm saying and what I'm putting out in the world. And I feel like disenfranchised communities do not have the, the uh, we've, the, we've not equipped them, you know, um, to, to make that happen. And so as a kid growing up in St. Paul, Minnesota, like in seeing my brother being, you know, involved with gangs and, you know, who lost his life, he was 19 when my brother was killed. Um, You know, so I I watched that and I recognized looking back like that, of course, that wasn't the life that my mom wanted for us, Mm -hmm. but it was just part of the struggle, you know, when you just are of low socioeconomic, you know, status, you know, and so while I don't think that that struggle, like my family struggle, is true for every family, mm-hmm. I do believe that we, I have a responsibility to provide opportunity for anyone, whether you come from a wealthy professor's family or a student whose parents are trying to make ends meet by working at the local grocery store you know, here in town. We want to provide the opportunity for everyone and anyone to get the most quality dance education here. Um, because we are a community, whether we like it or not, you know, whether you know the person that you're walking next to every day or not. Um, and I think that we as Neos can make that happen. We, in our way, we can facilitate, you know, that commitment to, to seeing our community, our community, excuse me, thrive. Mm-hmm. That makes me excited and I want to be involved in that. Yeah, yeah. you are. You are. <laughs> okay, so I could talk about that forever but we're getting close to an hour here so let's wrap it up with some less serious questions maybe Mm -hmm. so first one if you were at a party and you did not want to talk about dance how would you introduce yourself hi my name is Marcus Um, I just like seeing the beauty in people and helping them find it for themselves that's a good answer Um, do you have any hobbies or passions outside of dance Hobbies? Not, no, I don't have any hobbies. I really want to like start growing things. Like I really like flowers mm. for whatever reason. So I, I love to go to Westside Market down in mm. Cleveland yeah. and pick out flowers. My flower lady knows me, you know, every Saturday. And so if I could, I would like be a green thumb uh, urban farmer, but I haven't gotten into it yet. Yeah, there's an, I think there's an urban farming, I don't know if it's, what it is really, but it's in Ohio City. It's like refugee okay. farming. Right, I don't know the up. I don't know the terminology for it, but I think you can like volunteer at it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. 
Um, do, you have a, do you read? Are you a reader? I do read. What's uh, your favorite book? Okay. I don't have a favorite book, but I will do a shameless plug on a book that I'm reading right now. And it's by one of our students' moms. Whoa. It is a book called Approaching the Fields. It's a book of poetry, and it's cool. not very long. But Shonda Feldman, uh, her daughter and son dance at our school, and she's a professor at Oberlin College. Cool. And this, I want to tell you that I don't, I didn't think I liked poetry, mm -hmm. like, in lit class in college, you know, and I was just like, oh, like, I got to get through this chapter of poetry. Yeah, but I am in love with this freaking book. Like, I'm reading a, a one poem a night before I go to bed. And, I mean, it's just telling stories about the black experience, one, but it's telling stories of love and of struggle and of just the beauty in, like, the South. She was from Tennessee. So, anyway, I could talk about that book forever. But it's, it's, it's thebomb.com. It's so good. That's so cool. What is it called again? It's called Approaching the Field Nice. by Shonda Feldman. Uh, what is your favorite type of dance to watch? Type of dance to watch? I, ooh, I love to watch um, contemporary ballet. I think cool. it's beautiful. Um, Alonzo King, mm -hmm. his work, I'm always inspired to watch. Nice. Do you have a favorite type of food? Favorite type of food? I, I could do Chinese every cool. day. Yeah. I love, love Asian it. food. Um, music that influences you? Music songwriters, um, so singer songwriters, I should say. Leanne Le Havis, mm -hmm. she she gives me life. Uh, Gregory Porter is a jazz contemporary singer. Um, ben Longle Soul. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam Himshaw, Hem Himshaw, I think is what's mm -hmm. um, Aloe Black. This is my jam for the summer. Aloe Black has a song called Brooklyn in the Summer. Cool. When I'm I tell to you, to that on my it home. gave me all the vibes, cool. all the vibes. I cannot wait for summer, like, to just oh. hit, you know? Yes. Cool. Um, favorite thing about Cleveland since moving here? Favorite thing about Cleveland is the fact that there's a lake. I don't know. I, know. Like, I just like that there's this big old lake, and there's different points that I can go to, like Lakewood or, uh -huh. or like, what's that? East, I don't know the name of the thing in the east, but... Yeah, little beaches and stuff. Yeah, I love it. It feels, Lakewood feels like a beach town. Yeah. Summer. It really does. I feel like I go to Edgewater and I just pretend that I'm in Florida. Right, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> uh, love uh, it. Um, what are you most excited about when it comes to Neo Center for Dance? Most excited about growing a program, diversifying our student body um, in terms of uh, ethnicity and age um, and seeing seeing this community start to thrive mm -hmm. because of a little dance school connected yeah. to a dance company. Awesome. Anything else to share? Go to our Instagram page at Neos Center, the number four dance. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you're not moving with us, you should be. You should join the movement. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jake. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with DeMarcus. If you did, please share it with a friend if you think they might like it. 
leave a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you aren't already, or you can do all three of those. I would really appreciate it. And if you want to connect more with me, you can follow me on Instagram at Museroom Podcast. You can like the Facebook page. You can also join the secret Facebook group, and you can subscribe to my newsletter. So until the next episode, I hope you guys have a really fun and creative and inspiring week, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. All right, bye.